I don't want to leave you hanging there. And all the time, God is good. Yes. We, you may not be able to get to the sermon if we didn't finish that. But God, I don't want to say that again. It'll just, we'll just, you guys get what's going on, right? Okay. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7. When you get to Exodus chapter 7, you can put your finger on verse number 1. As I mentioned on um, Wednesday night, you were going to prepare for this one. You needed to study and be ready to cover Exodus chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. There's a lot we're going to cover in the next little bit. And some of you are already looking at your watches. Don't worry. God will fit it all in. But before we stand and read, I want you to take a look at the screen. I want to show you a couple of symbols. Now, these symbols are familiar to us, or perhaps they're familiar to you. The one on the left is greater than. That means that whatever is on the left is greater than whatever is on the right. We learned this, I think, in elementary school, pretty low-level math right here. And the one on the right is less than. Let's look at the next slide. Now, this means that everything over here could be greater than or equal to, or less than or equal to. Let's look at the next slide. You're going, I've never seen that in math before. Well, I jumped from math to you to, to current culture. Somebody in this room may even have this written down on them in a form of a tattoo or something. It's like the single number one tattoo going on right now among Christians. But what this says is that God is greater than all my ups and all my downs. That's what that stands for. Now, don't rush out and get a tattoo today because of that. Just write that down in your notes. And let's look at one more. Now, you've probably seen this one before. He, that would be God, is greater than I. Now, many times I've seen the I here in lowercase to make it even more that he is greater than I. So I just want you to take these symbols and these thoughts and just sort of let them park in your heart to see what God does with them as we look through his word for the next uh, two and a half hours. Oh, I'm sorry. For the next few minutes that we'll be together. I'm asking you to stand with me. Now keep your Bibles open because while I've had you turn to Exodus chapter 7, while we are standing, we are going to flip our pages two times and read two other pieces of Scripture while we're standing. They will also be up on the screen as well. But in Exodus chapter 7, first let me start by reading verses 1 through 5 of Exodus chapter 7. It says, so the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Now, if you would, just turn to chapter 10. We're still staying in Exodus. You should be able to turn probably two pages. When you get to chapter 10, go to verse 1. Thanks for turning with me. It's fun to hear the pages all turn together. Now I'm on Exodus chapter 10. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart in the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt. 
and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. And one more time, you should be able to turn probably one page to Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to read one verse, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, if you're going to follow along with me, I would, as I'm doing, go back to chapter 7. We're going to walk our way through this just uh, a little bit over the next few minutes. Today, we're going to discuss, as I promised a few weeks ago, the 10 plagues that God sent on Egypt. Now, I just want to clarify that these are not things that just happened. As we've just read in the Scripture, these are 10 specific things that God created specifically for that moment, and He sent this, He did this intentionally. These were done by God. On March the 21st of this year, 2021, I preached on the 10 plagues from the perspective of Pharaoh's heart. Remember, we talked about how um, Pharaoh hardened his own heart, went through each of the plagues, and then God gave him over to his own desires. If you missed that or you want to go back and put these two together, you can go back on Facebook, YouTube, or the church website and watch it again. Again, that was dated March 21st, 2021. You know, in the Bible, the number 10 in biblical terms stands for completeness. We know that the Ten Commandments was the revelation of God's complete moral law. We need to carry that same completeness thought when it comes to the 10 plagues. Let me just put it this way. Once we get done with these 10 plagues, Egypt is going to be completely plagued, thoroughly, completely plagued. And God tells us why. And I just mentioned it a couple of times in the verses that we read. In Exodus 7, 5, it says, And the Egyptians shall know that I am Lord. In chapter 10, in verse 2, that you, God said, that you, Moses, may know that I am Lord. And in Exodus chapter 12, 12, notice what it says here, that against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Did you know that in Egypt, they had over 3,000 gods or goddesses? A god or a goddess for nearly everything imaginable. And I spent time, and sometimes in one century, this God would stand for one thing, and in another century, it would stand for three other things. They were revolving around, but there were over 3,000 gods. Israel had been part of Egypt now for a little over 400 years. And there is no doubt that these gods that exist in the Egyptian culture, over 3,000 gods, had impacted Israel in a negative manner. Perhaps without Israel even knowing that they've been impacted. That's what culture does. Now, church, we're talking about the 10 plagues. We're talking about Egypt. We're talking about a number of years ago, but I don't want you to forget that God wants to teach us something today. Do you know that our culture has its gods and they are impacting us? Sometimes we know they're impacting us because we choose them and select them and hold on to them. 
Sometimes we don't even recognize the impacts that they're having on our lives. So let me just give you a summary statement before we get going. God wants to teach Pharaoh through these 10 plagues, I am the Lord. God wants to teach Egypt, I am the Lord. God wants to teach Moses, I am the Lord. God wants to teach all of the children of Israel, I am the Lord. But hear this fifth one. God wants to teach me, and he wants to teach you this morning through his scripture that I am the Lord, that he alone is Lord, and he will not. I can't stress that word enough. He will not share lordship. Now, spoiler alert, in just a few chapters, we're going to discuss the Ten Commandments. But allow me, I've got it written in my notes, but allow me just to share the first one with you, just a sneak peek into the Ten Commandments, okay? Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3 says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Church, God is absolutely clear in Scripture that we're reading today. We are to have no other gods. Now, a God can be defined as anything. Anything, a person, an inanimate object, a hobby, anything that, that becomes more important to you than your relationship with God himself. Now, I'd like you to think for just a second and continue thinking and allow God to move in your life. Because see, the Holy Spirit of God does not just want us to hear what's going on in Scripture today. The Spirit of God wants to move and work in our lives and bring us to a point. So I think that we need to recognize that it is possible that we are holding on to other gods. And I would ask you, give the Spirit freedom in your life. As David did in Psalm 139, he said, Lord, if there's anything in my life that's not what you want it to be, would you just show me? Church, that should be what we want to do right now. Keep that in mind. God does not want you to have any, any other gods. So we're going to walk through the plagues. We're going to walk through all 10 of them. And don't look at your watch. We're going to be just fine. I promise you. You know, when we look at our watch and when we're concerned about time, you know what we're not doing? We're not listening. Now, I'm not worried about you not hearing me. I'm worried about you not hearing what God has for you in these next few moments. So let's get going. And one of the things that I hope that you have a great desire to do after this service and Sunday school is over and you're at home later today, I hope that you go, man, I, I want to grab my Bible and I want to go back and read chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and even into 12. I pray that you'll do that. So God will take this and jumpstart something in your life today that he will use all week to speak into your life about. So we're not going to read the next four and a half chapters. That would have been interesting if I'd have just come in here and we'd have stood for an hour and read Scripture. Now, think about it, church. There's nothing wrong with standing up together and reading Scripture. I'm just going to give you a break and let you sit down at home later and read this Scripture while we talk about it right now. But in Exodus chapter 7, verses 15 to 25, we talk about plague number one, which is the water turned to blood. Now, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to summarize it for you. Pharaoh is met by Moses and Aaron at God's prompting, and again, 
tells Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. But Moses tells Pharaoh, he says, I know up to this point you've not listened and I don't expect you to listen again. So he goes on, Moses says, and by this you will know. Notice the phrasing, by this, by what God's getting ready to do, you will begin to know that he is Lord. Scripture teaches us that all water will be turned to blood, was turned to blood. Scripture that we read here in verses 15 to 25 of chapter 7 says that it lasted for seven days. It began at the Nile when Aaron touched the rod to the river Nile, but it included, Scripture teaches us as you read it, all ponds, rivers, lakes, and it goes on and even said even water that was in buckets and pitchers at home. Somebody was sitting in their home with a glass of water, and it turned to blood in that moment. All the water. This water is no longer usable. Now, it's interesting. When you read this, you're going to see that these magicians that Pharaoh continues to call upon, they come, and and it says that they're able to replicate the feet. Now, I don't know if they're able to replicate the feet or they're just taking credit for something God has continued to do as the water flows. But what's interesting about these magicians is they created more water turning to blood. You would have thought that if they were going to be doing the right thing, that they would have figured out how to turn blood into water. All they did is made it worse. And this plague, water turning to blood, happens to everyone. Everyone? Yes, everyone, even God's people. Everybody in Egypt, whether you're Egyptian or whether you're a child of Israel or in between, everybody else, do you know that Egypt, I told you they had over 3,000 gods and goddesses. Did you know that they had a god called Happy? Not H-A-P-P-Y, but H-A-P-I. He was considered the god of the Nile. By turning water into blood, God is saying, I am greater than Happy. Now, can I tell you right now that whatever god that the Spirit of God is laying on your heart that you are holding on to, can I just tell you right now that over the next nine plagues, not counting this one, you're going to come to know that God is greater, not just than happy, this God of the Nile, but God is greater than whatever God you're holding on to. You know, we're all holding on to something. Plague number two, after seven days, water goes back. Plague number two, frogs. You can find this in Exodus chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. Again, Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh with a message from the Lord. Let my people go. Now, we talked about a few weeks ago, and we talked about Pharaoh and his heart, how God continued to give chance. The chance, the reason that there are 10 plagues is God is being merciful. Do you notice that in these first two? He doesn't always do this, but in these first two, he says, Pharaoh, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. We understand that kind of thinking, right? A warning. Mercy is being shown. Verse 2 of chapter 8, if you don't, the Lord says, I will smite all the land with frogs. And if we keep reading this, frogs were everywhere. You can read that frogs were in the houses, frogs were in the bed, frogs were in the bedroom, frogs were on the people, in the ovens, in your food, everywhere. And again, this plague impacts Israel. 
And you're going, Jeff, why would God impact his own people with this plague? Remember what we said at the beginning? God wants Pharaoh to know. God wants Egypt to know. God wants Moses to know. God wants the children of Israel to know I am Lord. Sometimes we need to be taught in many different ways. And so God allows the children of Israel to go through this as well. Again, the magicians were able to make more frogs. Great job, magicians, right? Make more frogs. What they couldn't do is make the frogs go away. And I don't know that they actually created any. I just think that in their pride, they thought they were creating any because God was just not yet done letting them come up out of the river. Now, if you're following along with me in Scripture, you can look in verse 9. It's an interesting statement. Pharaoh has said, please take the frogs away. Verse 9, and Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you. You see, God is saying, okay, I don't want you to think that these frogs are just going to disappear. Pharaoh, you get to choose when the frogs are going to go away. And then you will know that it is I, God, who did all of this. You know, the funny thing is you read this. You know what Pharaoh's answer was? There are frogs everywhere. He's caught them. And he says, tomorrow. Why, church, I tell you what. If I were in, in Egypt in that day and I was Pharaoh and, and they came to me and I said, get rid of this. And they said, we will. You just tell us when you want them gone. You know what I'd have said? Right now. Take them away now. There's a problem here. You see what happens in our lives? Everything's always about tomorrow. Church, can I tell you that that could be a whole sermon right there, that God doesn't want you to wait until tomorrow for what he is ready to do for you today. Wow, I'm gonna have to make that note down. That might be a, a sermon right there. God doesn't want you to wait. Tomorrow it is, Moses calls on the Lord, the Lord is faithful, all the frogs die. They don't disappear. Scripture says that they have to pile them up in a big old stack and it stinks in Egypt. Did you know that in Egypt, they had a goddess called Hecate, H-E-K-E-T. She was the goddess of fertility and water and renewal. And she was symbolized in all of Egyptian culture as having the head of a frog. Huh, interesting. You know what God is saying by sending the frogs is, I am greater than Hecate. Church, can I remind you that whatever God you're holding on to, if it is not God Almighty, God Almighty is greater than that God. Plague number three, lice. Some of you in your translations are gonna say, mine says gnats. There's a whole lot of talk out there about what it means lice and gnats. We're going lice today. Nats works just fine too. Neither are any fun. Exodus chapter 18, I mean chapter 8, verses 16 to 19. This plague is the first one. It's the third one. It's unannounced. The dust of the land becomes lice and it impacts everyone, including Israel. You know, I started studying this and talking about this and I just started itching. Does that ever happen to you? People start talking about stuff like that and you just start going, oh man. Just the conference. Some of you are scratching already. The magician, Scripture says, cannot replicate this, and they go, Pharaoh, this has got to be the finger of God doing this. Pharaoh does not listen. Did you know that Egypt had a God named Geb, G-E-B? He was the God over the dust of the earth. You know what God is saying? Of course you know. 
You're a smart group. We're catching on here. I am greater than Geb. Plague number four, flies. Exodus chapter eight, verses 20 to 32, you can read about that. And it says, again, the Lord sends Moses to Pharaoh. Let my people go. And if you do not, the land will be covered by swarms of flies. Look in verse 22, chapter nine, no, chapter eight, verse 22. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. You know what God is saying? He says, just so you know I'm in control of all this, flies are gonna be everywhere except right there where my people are. No flies. God is teaching them. He goes on to say that there is a difference between them and Egypt, between God and Pharaoh. Pharaoh calls for Moses after this happens, and he says, okay, you and your people can go sacrifice, but just go and stay in Egypt. Sacrifice in the land. That's what that means. You don't get to leave. Just go to the Go to the outlands and do it in Egypt right there. And Moses said, no. You know, Pharaoh begins to do something that we do from time to time. You ever been guilty of bargaining with God? God, if you will, then I will. Well, let me tell you, God does not bargain. Moses says, no way. Let the people go. Because we got to get these flies out of here. And he says, okay, I will. But another thing that I'm very familiar with is that I'm seeking God out. Okay, God, whatever you want, just get rid of this problem in my life, and then when this problem in my life goes away, ah, I'm okay, I don't need God after all. And that's a pattern with Pharaoh, one that we're probably not unfamiliar with. Moses intercedes before God, the flies stop. Egypt, of course, had a God named Kepri, K-H-E-P-R-I, the God of creation and the God of the movement of the sun, Kepri was symbolized with the head of a fly. God is saying, yes, I am greater than Kepri. Plague number five, we find in Exodus chapter nine, verses one through seven, God continues to grant Pharaoh opportunities, let my people go, and if not, this plague is going to be severe pestilence on all the livestock, except for the livestock of Israel. Israel will never again be a part of the plagues, in case I don't say that. They were of the first three, and then God exempts them because he's showing there's a difference. And he says, you have until tomorrow. Church, when God says, here's what you should do, and I'm going to do this if you don't, and you have until tomorrow, that again is mercy. God is granting you time that you don't deserve because when God tells you to do something, you should do it then, not tomorrow. Pharaoh doesn't do anything. They deserve this plague. God says, but I'm willing to not do this if you'll just turn from your gods. It doesn't. The livestock in Egypt die. This is the first plague where something dies. Pharaoh sent to check in Israel, Scripture teaches us, just to see how did everything go in Goshen where Israel lives. And no livestock death there. No pestilence. Egypt had a god called Hathor, H-A-T-H-O-R. She was the goddess of love and protection. Hathor was symbolized with the head of a cow. God is saying, 
I am greater than Hathor. I think you're seeing the trend and the purposes of God. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Plague number six, boils. We find that in Exodus chapter nine, verses eight through 12, this plague is unannounced, but Moses does this in the sight of Pharaoh. Takes ashes from the furnace and throws them up into the air and the boils break out on man and beast. This is the first of the plagues that attack people, not just animals. The magicians who are long since out of the game, they can't even show up to help Pharaoh anymore because of the boils on their body. And we never hear from them again. Israel is safe. Egypt, because of these boils, is in great pain. But Pharaoh's heart remains hardened. Egypt had a god, goddess named Isis. Isis was the goddess of medicine and the goddess of peace. And God is saying, I am greater than Isis. Plague number seven is hail. Exodus chapter nine, we find it in verses 13 to 35. God sends Moses back to Pharaoh again and says, let my people go. Now, if you're right there in nine, verse 14, I'm gonna pull out a few quotes here. It says, I will continue to, well, this is my paraphrase. I will continue to send more plagues until you know that there is none like me in all the earth. Verse 15. If I paraphrased it, God is saying, I've been merciful to this point. He said, had I wanted to, I could have wiped you out. I sent the pestilence on the people and there would be no Egypt any longer, but I didn't. He points it out. He says, uh, verse 17, why do you continue to exalt yourself? God's asking this. Why do you continue to make you something big? Tomorrow, hail like you have never seen will rain down. And God goes a step further. If you read this and he says, and if, if I were you, anything that you don't want clobbered by hail, now clobbered is not a, not a biblical word. I guess that was a Jeff word that just popped out right there. But whatever you don't want clobbered by hail, people or animals, you better put it inside. He gives them that warning. You could go and read it. And verse 20, look at verse 20. If you've got your scripture open, and I hope you do, verse 20 after he'd said that, he said, he who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. You know what that's, you know what's just happened there? Because of plagues number one, two, three, four, five, and six, now we're here on plague number seven. There are people that are Egyptians that are going, I'm not messing with that God. They're starting to recognize him, starting to turn to him, and it says that they brought their animals and their people inside because they feared the Lord. They turned to him. I just think that's so interesting. I took a little time. Did you know that Egypt, Egypt, you know, is technically in northern Africa. So if you take northern Africa and all of the Middle East in today's numbers, Egypt has the largest population of Christians even today all of those countries in Northern Africa and the Middle East. Maybe I'm too simple, or maybe we just need to recognize that they began in this moment to know who God was, and it has continued to impact generations upon generations, which is exactly what God said would happen. 
if you will know that I am God. Now, if you've got your scripture open, I want to read about this hail. Look at verse 23 to 26. I want to read this. Exodus 9, 23 to 26. And it says, And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail so very heavy. There was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Pharaoh again calls for them, says that you can go. He rescinds his agreement after the problem has passed. Did you know that Egypt had a god named Nut, N-U-T, the goddess of the sky? You know what God is saying? I am greater than Nut. Plague number eight, the locusts. We find them in Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. Moses goes back to Pharaoh. But also remember, in these verses were the key passages that we read. He tells Pharaoh, he tells Moses too, that other generations will hear about my deliverance because I have what I have done or what I am doing in Egypt. I reminded you that verse 2 said, I'm doing this so that you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 3, how long will you refuse to humble yourself, Pharaoh? He says, if you refuse, the locust will come, and the locust will eat everything that is left. Pharaoh's servants come to him, and they say, Pharaoh, this is God. Israel is his people. Egypt is being destroyed. Let them go. They're beginning to see this. Pharaoh, again, bargains with God. He says, okay, I'll let the men go, but you leave everybody else here. Church, you don't bargain with God. Here's what you do with God. You either trust and obey him or you reject him. That's the only way this plays out with God. Now today, what are you? Are you trusting and obeying him in every way that he's calling you? If not, God says, you're rejecting me. The locusts come, they consume the land. Pharaoh responds, but rescinds after the pain is gone. Egypt had a God named Seth, the God of storms and the God of disorder. And God is saying, I'm greater than Seth. Plague number nine, darkness. Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 to 29. This plague was unannounced. Total darkness. When you read that scripture, darkness that can be felt. Three days worth. Scripture teaches us that nobody did anything. Total separation. Symbolizing death, judgment, and hopelessness. You see, that's what separation from God is. Pharaoh bargains again. He says, take all the people Believe the animals. You don't bargain with God. Pharaoh looks at Moses and he says, you better get away from me because the next time I see you, you're going to die. And Moses says, you're right. I'm not going to see you again. Did you know that Egypt had a God called Ra? It's probably the one, if anybody knows of any God in Egypt, you may know that one, Ra. Ra was considered the second most worshiped God 
in all of Egyptian culture. Ra was the God of the sun. And God is saying, I am greater than Ra. Plague number 10. And you're going, man, we're going to get there. Plague number 10, the death of the firstborn. Exodus chapter 11, verses 4 through 10. You can read about the summary of it. Moses announces this plague to Pharaoh while he is still with him in plague number 9. In verse 1 of chapter 10. One more, I mean, in chapter 11. One more plague. God says, this one, this 10th one will do it. They will let you leave after this. It says, about midnight on the day that I choose, I will strike the firstborn of Egypt dead, man and beast. Verse 6 of chapter 11 says that there will be a great cry in Egypt, but not among the children of Israel. Verse 8 says, and they will beg you to leave. Now look at verse 8. If you're in chapter 11, look at me at verse 8. I want to pull out a final couple of points here. Let me read verse 8 of chapter. It says, and all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, get out, and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Moses, in great anger. We don't want to forget that Moses was raised the first 40 years of his life as an Egyptian. He loved Egypt, most likely. It impacted, it was his life. And he did not like to see what was happening to Egypt. But the scripture says that that's not all. They said that he left him in anger. How many times through this 10 plagues, if you said, dude, I would have given up a long time ago. God, I would have let that go a long time ago. I would have turned away and let not God destroy me a long time ago. And Moses leaves in anger because he goes, God is going to destroy them. Let me ask you a question. Does it frustrate you when people live stubbornly rejecting God? Does that frustrate you? Does it make you angry? to see a lost person die. Moses is angry here, church. We don't want to miss this, but he's not angry. I think this anger is, uh, why don't you give in? You do not have to suffer. You can yield to God. The firstborn die. Now, we're going to cover this in greater detail. This chapter 12 will be your next week's homework assignment. We'll talk about that more. Did you know, the last God I'll share with you, that Egypt had one supreme God. Many thought he was the son of Ra, and his name was Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was worshipped as the greatest God in all of Egypt. And God is saying, I am greater than Pharaoh. Let me summarize that. What God is saying is, whatever the most important thing you think you're holding on to, whatever you put your time and effort into, I'm greater than that. I'm greater than Pharaoh. And you're going, but that makes no sense. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, but Pharaohs, there have been hundreds of Pharaohs. They are people who come and die, and the next Pharaoh takes his place. But he's still given this deity perspective in Egypt. You're going, that makes no sense. Why would somebody worship a man? 
our culture, whether you buy into it or whether you're just impacted slightly because of it, or maybe you don't even know you're impacted, they just worship a man. Pharaoh worshiped himself. I'm greater than Pharaoh. So let me, as I close, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12 says, against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgment. I am the Lord. Let me tell you what that says. God says, you will have no other gods before me. And I'm going to single-handedly pick them off one by one. And you know why they were 10 plagues? Because it took them 10 times to learn this before they finally said, we're good. We give up. What gods are you holding on to? What's important in your life? What are you holding on to? And here's the warning that I take from this in my life and likely in yours. Whatever God you're holding on to, little G God, that's not God Almighty, whatever is taking his place in your life, God's gonna come after them one by one. God is going to come after those things in your life that you are holding precious. He has to because he loves you and he knows what is best for you and that is for you to make him first.